0: So grateful for your love and for your grace at work in our world, and we pray, Lord, that you would receive back this gift of tithes and offerings. May they be used to bring your kingdom to earth now and to come. In the precious name of Jesus, who is the Christ, we pray. Amen. Good morning. It is good to be here today, house of worship, to be able to preach God's word. Let's uh, turn to Acts chapter 16, looking at verses 22 through 30. This is the story about Paul and Silas and what happened to them in these verses. The crowd rose up together against them and the chief magistrates tore their robes off them and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. When they had struck them many blows, they threw them into the prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And he, having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise of God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there came a great earthquake. So the foundation of the prison house were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, saying, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And he called for the lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And after he brought them out, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Occasionally, I will look at Facebook. What I like to do is to, yes I do, I must admit that. And I enjoy watching the the videos, especially ones that are inspirational. There are some that are informational. This one particular video is of a young child, a toddler. And this child was born without hearing. He has a cochlear transplant. And as soon as that transplant is turned on, he hears the voice of his parents the first time. And he smiles, he giggles, he looks towards them as they speak. His arms begin to flail. He is absolutely thrilled that he has this gift of hearing. Indeed, we too can be excited. We can be excited about the gift of salvation that Jesus has given to us a gift we have not earned on our own, a gift that we have received into our hearts. You see, we as Christians have received this wonderful gift, it is, but also Paul and Silas, they received this gift too. And we'll see in our story for today, if the jailer received this gift or not. Acts 15, we have Paul and Silas. I need you to walk with me in this story. For there they are, Paul and Silas in Philippi, and as they are in this town, they're going to a place to pray. You would think this place to pray would be a somber, quiet, just a peaceful place to be able to talk to God. Quite the contrary. There was this slave girl, she was there, and she was possessed with an evil spirit. She was a medium, which means she could speak to the dead, as well as the fortune teller. Her masters made money off of her, for she would tell your fortune or speak to the dead for you, and then that you would pay her money, and then she would give her money to the masters. Well, she kept crying out day in and day out the following. This is what she shared around, around Paul and Silas. It goes like this. These men are bond servants of God who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. She just was like that annoying gnat. Kept saying over and over and over again, and finally it just got on Paul's nerves had had enough it's like parents I know some of your children I know you don't do this but occasionally kids might be very annoying and, and constantly pestering their children over and over and finally the parents go all right enough's enough and that's where Paul he was he was at the point of saying enough is enough I want this to stop so he drove the evil spirit out of this woman and as the spirit leaves her she becomes a believer which means Paul and Silas were going to get into trouble. You see, this woman no longer was able to be a medium. She was no longer able to read fortunes. And so with that, the money coming in from her acts were not going to her masters anymore. So these masters were ticked. They were just upset that Paul and Silas went ahead and did away with the cash cow. So from that, they decided to falsely accuse Paul and Silas of something they didn't do they trump up a crowd and they get the people angry and they end up taking paul and silas dragging them i'm not talking about come on guys but it was a dragging them to the magistrate and they accused them of throwing the city into confusion and not only the confusion of the city but they were also spreading truths that, that were not true so in that they got themselves in big time trouble The magistrate sees them, he hears the crowd and what they're saying, and so the magistrate finds them guilty without even a trial. So then in turn, they're beaten with rods. Beaten with rods. Wow, it must have been extremely painful to be beaten with a rod numerous times. I'm not talking one time, but numerous times. And then to make matters worse, they're thrown into a jail, an inner jail. Now, we're not talking about a really nice, sweet jail, where there's a cot in the TV and running water and, and you, know, you have all the amenities. No, this is a place that was not good. A place filled with human waste, place filled with rodents, a dark place. And then they were fastened in their feet to a stocks. Now these stocks sometimes had several holes in them so that the prisoner could have his feet stretched apart to make it much more painful. This might've happened to Paul and Silas so here they are in this jail a darkened place a place that you know I would want to be and they begin to pray and singing hymns can you believe that they were praying and singing hymns if that were me I'd be singing the blues there is no way that I'd want to be in that position but they went ahead and they give thanks to God for who God is don't you wonder how they're able to do so How was it that that Paul and Silas were able to to praise god how was it they're able to pray to god in the midst of where they were and how they did is because of jesus christ you see they had received the gift of salvation they too had asked that question what must i do to be saved and so in turn they received that gift in their own hearts and so it was because of jesus christ being in them that they were able to be where they were offering god thanksgiving and so, as they were praising God, other prisoners were hearing them. Interesting that they had such a testimony. You know, there's modern day people that have been through similar persecutions. I'm reminded of the story of Corey Timboom. Corey Timboom lived in Holland during the reign of Nazi Germany. And she and her family, Christians, they felt very called to hide Jewish people. And so they did so and were able to rescue many people from extermination. But sadly to say, someone ratted on them and then they were arrested and thrown in jail. Eventually, Corey and and her sister, Betsy, went to Ravensbrück concentration camp. This is one of the worst concentration camps ever, very notorious for cruelty and brutality. And there they were trying to survive, trying to live as God would have them to live. And so here they are in this women's barracks and it's a filthy place. The fleas are so bad the guards will not, not go in to see the prisoners. So here they are. They are not only praying, but they're singing and holding a Bible study for these women who needed hope. Why did they do that? Because they had asked that question, what must I do to be saved? They had received Jesus Christ in their heart, and Christ in them gave them what they needed to be able to have hope, to be able to praise God in the midst of their struggles, truly amazing. Back to the story of Paul and Silas, here they are in the stocks, and suddenly, suddenly, an earthquake happens. And this earthquake rattles the whole jail. And as the jail is rattling, something miraculous happens. The prison doors open wide, the shackles come off the prisoners, and then at that moment, The jailer wakes up. He's in great despair. He can't believe the prison door is open. The shackles are off the prisoners. He's thinking, oh my goodness, if these men escape, I am going to be in big trouble. You see, if they had escaped, the jailer himself might have been executed, probably so, for allowing them to leave. So what this jailer does, as he's trying to process everything in his fit of just great, Despair. He takes the sword, his sword, and he tries to pull it up like this, and he is going to thrust it towards himself to end his life. But get this: Paul and Silas are in this inner jail, and they can see the shadow of the jailer and what the jailer is about to do. And as they see the shadow, Paul says, "No, stop! Don't do that, please." And so the the, the jailer is taken aback, and he takes a, a light, a torch, and he goes into the inner jail. And as he's there, he uh, experiences what has happened, that their chains really have fallen off. They've been set free, and the other prisoners, they're free as well. But the crazy thing is, they didn't leave. Don't you wonder why they didn't leave? I have to believe it's because Paul and Silas had a story to share. And the other prisoners were just amazed by this miracle of what had just happened, and they wanted to see possibly more miracles to take place. Indeed, there would be. this jailer has found himself in a place of brokenness of being at the point of saying you know what i cannot do life anymore my life is burdened i need something to save me i need fulfillment i need to be able to be freed up from this spiritual place of where i am and nothingness and so as he's there in that place he is ready to receive christ but you know what's so neat about this is i do believe that we have a God who wooed him with grace. John Wesley believed in this grace. It's called prevenient grace. It's a grace that goes before us before we make a decision to follow Jesus. You see, I love this part of the story because truly it is grace working through Paul and Silas. Listen to this, Paul and Silas, grace working through them. And as that grace worked through them, it touched the life of this jailer. He was able to see Jesus through them, although he didn't know it. And the grace was tugging on him in his brokenness to be able to come to the end of himself to say that he needed a Savior, that he needed Jesus Christ in his life. That's the exciting part of this grace, this prevenient grace, grace that has wooed you into making a decision for Jesus, wooed me as well. Paul and Silas begin to answer the question that he says, you see, the, the question is, like I said earlier, what must I do to be saved? And so from that, Paul and Silas, they go on to talk about the word. Well, you're thinking the word, you mean they had the Bible, they opened up to John three sixteen. By no means. Didn't have the Bible then. Instead, they talked about the word. The word being what? Jesus. Jesus being the word. The word was in Jesus, and Jesus was in the word, as we see in John chapter 1. As we look at this experience of them pointing to Jesus, I have to wonder exactly what they said to this jailer as they're trying to explain to them who this Jesus was. I'd like to think it went like this, that they said to the jailer, God loves you. God is crazy about you. You are created in the image of God. And for that, God has something available for you. It's forgiveness. Take that forgiveness, receive it into your heart, and then that your life is changed. And then they went on maybe to mention about the resurrection, how there is such power in the resurrection. The grave couldn't hold Jesus. He rose from the dead, and there's power in this new life in Christ. And for that, maybe that's what touched the life of the jailer. But as his life was touched, we need to see what was his spiritual state before he became a follower. You see, in Romans 3.23, this verse is very important for us all to listen to, because it's true. And it has to do with every single person here prior to becoming a Christian. All have sinned have fallen short of the glory of God. We all have a need for God. You see, as we experience this verse, we see for ourselves that humankind has a need for God. I need for great fulfillment, I need for the peace that passes all understanding. I need to experience his grace in a way of forgiveness. It is through Jesus and Jesus alone that there is that fulfillment that fills the void of that which we have prior to coming to know him. Let's look at the the life of Adam and Eve. This is a perfect example, perfect example of self-focus. You see, there they are in the Garden of Eden, and they are told not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil but what did they do? they eat of this tree and from that they no longer depended upon God they wanted to be like God they weren't trusting God to supply their needs to meet them where they were to be God for them so instead they went out on their own Romans 5, 12 we read therefore just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin spread to all mankind because all sin this one man is adam it means that all humankind have a need for god's love and forgiveness every single person on this planet has a need for god's love and forgiveness the problem is powerlessness you see when we're in this state we cannot possibly move beyond ourselves we continue to be bound to self-worship and that, is indeed, is the state of us before becoming a Christian. But the good news is, as Paul and Silas shared with the jailer, the good news is freedom in Christ. There is freedom. And in fact, if you look at Romans 6, 6-7, I'll read this very slowly. It's important to hold fast to. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to the power of sin. For when we died, Christ was set free in us. The power of sin sets us free. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love towards us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Wow. Christ died for all of us. Where we are. That's good news. Freedom in Christ for the jailer. But freedom in Christ for us. That we, because of what Jesus has done, are able to say yes able to experience him and his love and grace how powerful is that paul to the jailer answers this question of what must do to be saved and as he does so he emphasizes salvation by faith alone romans 10 9 through 10 reads that if you confess listen closely that if you confess with your mouth jesus as lord and believe with your heart that god raised him from the dead you will be saved once this happens the jailer does believe his whole household believes and then not just them but his servants too their lives are changed their lives are changed to the point to, to what did they do they end up washing the wounds of paul and silas indeed something that came out of them the love of jesus now and then the jailer and his family they're washed too washed of their sins they are, they're forgiven, they have experienced baptism at that point, which is an outward sign of an inward grace, inward happening. You see, conversion is what we're talking about here. We're talking about bottom line, how is it that people come to know Jesus Christ as a Lord and Savior? How do they receive that grace? How do they move beyond their sin? They move to the power of God and his freedom by accepting Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I want to talk to you about people's conversion experience you see some people have a dramatic conversion experience where they end up living a wayward life and they come to know Christ their lives are changed wonderful but there are some people that their experience with God is different they've always known God they've loved God but they know without a shadow of doubt that they've asked the question what must I do to be saved and in that that person trusts Jesus and trust Jesus in their heart, and, and they know that they have been forgiven of their sins. And that is where we find ourselves today, that we too can experience that same grace. We too can say without a shadow of a doubt, I do believe. I wanna share my own conversion story, and it's nothing dramatic, but it's something that is meaningful to me because it's how God worked in my life. I do believe God's wooing grace was, was touching me and leading me to accept him. I hadn't grown up in the church I was baptized as an infant and then after that we moved to North Carolina Cary where I went to First United Methodist Church there I went through confirmation was confirmed I felt like I knew God but I think I was just more in my head It was head knowledge of God and then I got involved with a youth group when we moved to Roanoke Virginia is there I was active as a teenager in the youth group and from that I sang in the choir and became youth council president. But it wasn't until the, I was a junior that year I was at home. This was at night and there was a, a crusade on TV. It was Billy Graham. Billy Graham, you know, just recently died. And in that, he was sharing about how one could experience God's grace. One could just say yes to Jesus accept Jesus into one's hearts and experience that forgiveness. And at that point, I realized, you know what? I'm not really sure if I have done that. I really want to make sure that I know Jesus. I want that personal relationship. I want God to move from my head to my heart. And that's what I did. I went to my room, and I got on my knees, and I confessed to God I needed him. And from that, I do believe God touched me with his grace. My heart was changed, and Jesus became much more real in me. And from that, i had a personal relationship with God. One that has changed my life and continues to change my life. We need to also look at the life of John Wesley. John Wesley had gone to Savannah, Georgia as an Anglican priest trying to be a missionary there. He failed miserably. He left there and got on a boat and sailed back to England. While he was on this boat, he has an encounter with a Moravian named Peter Bowler. And Peter talks to John Wesley about holiness of how to experience god in the heart and john wesley took it all in and then when he got off the boat in 1738 at aldersgate street in london england he was there for a service and the, the minister was talking about the prefaces to romans and so as he was preaching john wesley felt his heart strangely warmed his heart was strangely warmed and in that he experienced jesus in a personal way He was assured of his salvation, something that moved in his life and heart and helped him to be the powerful pastor that he was. You know, don't you wonder, what is it that holds people back from conversion? What is it that keeps people from saying yes to Jesus Christ? What is it? I have a few ideas here for us to explore. Maybe it's something that you can relate to in your own life. Number one, I see that people sometimes have a fear. That people sometimes have a fear of accepting Jesus Christ and his grace and love because they're afraid of the ramifications. If I do so, what will people think of me? If I do so, does that mean I have to do this or that? If if I do so, does that mean that I have to uh, be a better person? So there's lots of fears that someone could have that keeps that person from saying yes to Jesus. Or maybe it's pride that sometimes pride can get in our way of saying yes. And that pride is such of, you know what? I'm doing life fine on my own. I really don't need a savior. I, I'm good to go. You know, what this Jesus thing, that's, that's for weak people. I'm strong, so I don't need Jesus. And then there's anger. Sometimes we can get angry with God. You know, I don't know about you, but I know I've been angry with God before when I felt like God didn't come through, when, when God should have done better. And that's an honest feeling. So it's sometimes our anger can keep us from saying yes to jesus so i encourage us to to work through the anger and then this is an all-time big one here is there are some people they might think i'm not worthy i am just not worthy of Jesus' love i have done too many bad things in my life for jesus to love me i'm worthy i'm just lower than low and that is such a lie and then lastly there are some people that they want tangible proof they want to be able to say you know what I know this Jesus, I I can see him in the flesh, and with that evidence, I'm going to say yes. But you know what? There's sometimes, there's no way that we can scientifically prove Jesus. We have to, as we look at that, see the grace of Jesus beyond that in our hearts and what Jesus is doing in a way we can't see him. My question is, where are we this morning? Where are we, or where are you this morning? Have you accepted this gift of grace of Jesus Christ? Do you know him as your Lord and Savior? Ask yourself this question. What must I do to be saved? And as you do, what might be holding you back? I pray that today that you will become like the jailer, that you will allow Jesus Christ to reign in your life, to accept him. For when you did, your life is changed. Your life becomes such where you become just like that jailer. You become filled with peace and joy and then able to wash the 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 wounds of those that you have adversely affected. You're able to be able to be in situations like like Paul and Silas and and praise God in the difficulties. That's because you have the power of Jesus in you when you say yes. So I'm here to tell you there it makes a big difference when asking Christ into your heart. Not a guilt trip here by no means. It's a grace trip. It's a grace trip of saying yes to someone who loves you, someone who absolutely wants to be with you in your heart. It's a matter of saying yes. Can you, can you say yes? Are you ready to do so today? Because when you do, you will experience that great freedom, the freedom the jailer experienced. The truth is that Jesus is that freedom. Jesus is the one who will set you free. In the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit amen let's go to god in prayer how we're just so thankful for the good news of your son jesus and how he does set us free from our spiritual state that we can move beyond where we are to a loving relationship experience your grace and in that have such joy and peace lord jesus work in our hearts today move us in that relationship with you Pray that there's anyone here who has not accepted you, oh God, that person will open their hearts to you, this God who loves them so much. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. During our time of the closing hymn, Blessed Assurance, if you feel led to come to the altar to pray or pray in your seat to receive Christ, I just encourage you to do so. It's a wonderful decision to make.